hello again. We're about to have real talk this morning. Now, we are actually in a study on the Psalms for the next four weeks counting today. And uh, that's why we're calling the series Real Talk, because honestly, the Psalms, uh, while we think of them as, as being songs and uh, written by uh, different uh, individuals uh, of the Israelite faith, uh, they also serve as um, a relational dialogue with God between uh, the writer and God. And, and so... Um, the Psalms capture a wide range of life predicaments and emotions and ways of resolve through the different circumstances that uh, we as human beings face. And so um, that's why it's real talk, because this is, uh, the Psalms get real, so to speak. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for these uh, four weeks. And to get us started, I'm pretty sure that I've told you, if you've heard, heard me before, and if you haven't, you're about to find out, that I am overly reliant on my iPhone to get me where I need to go. Um, in fact, back before, uh, you know, Siri and Apple Maps and Google Maps existed on a phone, I know Angie and I used to get on, like, Google whenever we wanted to go somewhere, and we would type in where we wanted to go, and we would print the map. And we didn't even look at the map. We just wanted the navigation instructions because I am geographically challenged. If it tells me to go north, I'll accidentally go south. But I can definitely follow instructions well enough to know you need to turn right on North Street pretty soon. (laughs) I might be delayed on the turn signal, and I might even make a fast turn that scares everybody in the car. But I'll get where we need to go thanks to that navigation. But yeah, in this day and age, I am reliant on GPS on my phone, and I always have it up on the little uh, dash thingy that I've got, and it'll tell me where I'm supposed to go, and that's how we get places. But the thing is with GPS is I've noticed something about me. When I start to get to familiar landmarks, familiar places, I shut the GPS off. I start to know where I'm at. I don't need the navigation anymore. It's already up here. I've seen this place several times. I know where to turn. I know how far down the road. I know how many lights I'm going to hit before I get where I need to turn. I know where this store is, and I remember that tree, and I just have this visual underpinning to know that I'm in a familiar spot. And that's even more true when I get near home. Many of you know I am born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived in the east side of Cincinnati in a town called Amelia. I grew up in Amelia. I moved away about 10 minutes away from Amelia for about three years in our early part of marriage, and then we bought a house in Amelia, ended up living in that house for 12 years. And so Amelia was 30 minutes east of downtown Cincinnati, and we would often travel uh, 275, 
And any time that I would go out of town, whether it was a vacation, whether it was a work-related trip, or whether we were just going out for the day, a day-long trip out of the area, there became a point where I would get to a certain segment of 275, and then even once I got off 275 and I got off on the Amelia exit, where I knew I was home. Now, I've noticed over the years that if we were gone on a vacation, you know, a week-long trip, you'd come back, you'd get to that familiar spot, but something would be different. Maybe a new construction site would start to go up, or maybe an old building that wasn't being used started to be demolished, or you'd see a coming soon sign for a new dollar store. Those always pop up. And you think to yourself, well, this is new. But what was new became the new signifier to home. Because no matter what, every time I would go back home, I'd hit that exit, I'd get on that road, and I would remember the landmarks and all of the scenic stuff around there. And what was new became old and became familiar. And I'll never forget the first time in this last year and three months that we went back to Cincinnati and we hit those landmarks and I didn't feel like I was at home. We, we were visiting uh, to do a doctor's appointment and we decided we were going to visit a few folks, some friends and, and Angie's parents. And so we were, we were driving out to our friends and Leo started to recognize the area. And he said, hey, are we going to Old House? And I said, no, buddy, we're not. I was like, that's not our house anymore. And I realized in that moment that I actually can't go back to that house and open that garage and park my car there. In fact, I realized that so much that I didn't even want to see it. So we didn't even go that way because I thought for a moment, well, I could at least take him and he could see the old house. Where I also didn't want to creep up on the new people that bought the house. That would kind of be weird. Our old neighbors see our car in the area, but... And I had that brief moment where I was like, hmm, this isn't home anymore. But then I realized, you know, and this is the part I want you to hang on to to the end of the message today. I realized uh, that that lack of feeling that we were at home dissipated when we got to our friends. Because we walked in the house and we were with familiar people, people that loved us, that we loved, And the rest of the time on that trip, even though I felt homeless for a moment, I felt at home with the people. So yes, uh, I'm being very overt here, but I want you to remember that statement. Feeling at home with people. But for now, we can just think about that familiarity of home because as we look through the Psalms, the Psalms have a variety of different types of Psalms or songs or hymns. The Psalms, in fact, are the hymns of the early Israelite community, the people of God, the Hebrews, the Jewish people. And not only that, that when you you turn over to the New Testament and you start reading the Gospels, Jesus and his followers, who are also Jewish, recognize these Psalms as their hymns, their songs of praise. They were incorporated into their worship services. In fact, they knew the Psalms so well 
that uh, at times the words of Jesus were actually echoes to the Psalms. When Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he is hanging on the cross, he is echoing a Psalm of David. The Psalms were not just etched in the head, but in the heart of the people of God. No doubt the Messiah, the Son of God. And in the Psalms, there are many different varieties, many different emotions evoked. There are psalms of joy and thanksgiving, psalms of praise, yet there are psalms of downtrodden lament, sorrow, sadness. Questions of, God, why is this happening in this moment here? I think of David who who says things like, why are my enemies prospering when I am on your good side and they are not? This isn't computing with me. And yet it's real. It's the people of God coming to God in praise and in lament, in the highs and in the lows of life. And being real with him as as they seek his counsel, his comfort, his wisdom. Wisdom's an important one too. There are actually psalms of wisdom. And the one that we're going to look at today, the very first psalm is a psalm of wisdom. We normally think of wisdom when we think of the book of Proverbs, because the Proverbs encompass wisdom literature, ideas of this is how you should live to be in right standing and for good outcomes, and these are the things that you want to avoid, otherwise you will have not so good outcomes. And these Psalms of wisdom encompass that same idea, this idea of sticking with God to stay on the right path and avoiding the bad paths of people who have renounced God. But the other thing about wisdom psalms is that they're a bit peculiar. They can feel out of place with the other psalms. Like think, for instance, the the kind of psalm I just referenced with David. If those that are devoted to God receive good, and those that have chosen not to be devoted to God receive what's coming to them, then why would the man of God like David be wondering why it is the wicked that are prospering and he is not? That doesn't seem to line up. And so as we look at this psalm this morning, Psalm 1, I want us to, to change the way that we think about the wisdom psalm. I want us to not think about the wisdom psalm as something that necessarily always is matter of fact, but as something that is promised and yet something that will be. Because we all know in life that we face highs and lows. And in the highs, it is often either easy to praise God or sometimes to just forget that he exists because things are going so well. But in the lows, we often ask God why. I was doing the right things. I made the right choices. I was walking the right path. Yet, why, God, why did this happen to me? Why, God, why did this happen to those I love? Why, God, why am I going through this experience, this hardship, this struggle? 
And yet when we think about the psalm of wisdom as a familiar place, a place of home, a base camp, a place that helps us know that we are navigated in the right direction. It actually can help us better understand the other psalms that we're going to look at. Now, Walter Brueggemann, he is an Old Testament scholar. He came up with three different types of psalms. Instead of all the different styles of hymn that exist, he came up with three, uh, three different types. One called orientation, the other called disorientation, and the last one called new orientation. And orientation are psalms where things are going well. And we recognize that things are going well because God has blessed us. He has blessed our efforts. He has blessed our faith. We are oriented in our posture in the right way, and we are honoring God because he is making our outcomes good because of our orientation toward him. Psalms of disorientation are when we, uh, we may be moving in the right direction, but things are not going our way. Our whole idea, our whole being, our whole idea of the way things are has been disoriented in our minds and our hearts. Disorientation psalms are when we ask the why questions and we issue the laments and the sorrows that we are experiencing in our heart and our mind and our soul to God. And then new orientation is when, in light of those first two, God does something new. Maybe he teaches us something we weren't expecting to learn in the midst of our struggle. Or maybe in the midst of something well going on, we see a new direction to go in. Or, or maybe it's, I don't know, like when you're in a familiar place and suddenly that coming soon sign shows up and you realize things are going to be a little bit different, but I'm still on the right path and I need to keep going. Those are psalms of new orientation. And so each week in this series, we are going to look at an example of a psalm of orientation, a psalm of disorientation, and new orientation in each week. The reason we're going to start with the wisdom psalm is because the wisdom psalm is home for understanding the psalms. The wisdom song, psalm is not just a psalm about being on God's good side and avoiding the wrong way of going, although it encompasses that. But it is also the key to appreciating all of the other psalms. Because when we understand how things are meant to be, we can stay the course. And so the first psalm we're going to look at is a wisdom psalm. It's in Psalm chapter 1, and it's only six verses, and it goes like this. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither and all that they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, in my Bible, and maybe in yours, it it might have a header in this psalm that says the two ways. And if you heard that psalm out loud or you're reading along, you discovered that there are two ways. There are two paths. The path of the righteous and the path of the sinners or scoffers. And there were outcomes discussed in this psalm. Those that go the path of the righteous experience a set of outcomes and those that choose the path of sinners experience other outcomes. And that's all well and good, right? Two different ways. Go the right way, things will go well. If I go the wrong way, things will not go well. If only life were that simple. But those of you that have been living and breathing know that it's not that simple. Life is not that simple. Because ever since Adam and Eve were in the garden and broke the command of God, every single person since, including us, have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We have done a big mess it all up number on our lives, on the lives of others, and in the world around us. And because of that, the good creation God created, though still good because God made it, is not going so well for those of us that are living in it. Especially if we try to stay on the right path. We come into issues with people that don't agree with us. We stumble along the way. We may will and want to do what is good, but our countenance takes us the wrong direction. And so life is not that simple. And you could look at this psalm after just reading it and think, but the psalm says it is, except that it doesn't. There are details here that clue us in to what we read when we read the rest of these psalms and the highs and lows experienced by the psalmists. Yes, of course, there are two ways, there are two paths to take. But I want us to focus for a moment. Those that delight in the law of the Lord, which, by the way, in Hebrew is Torah, It is the reference to the first five books of the Old Testament. It is a reference to the books of Moses, which not only capture the story of the formation of the Israelite people, but also the law of God. To those who delight in the law of the Lord, the Scripture, the way that God would have his people go, And by the way, they are defined as people who meditate day and night on said law, on said Torah. These are people wholly devoted to God in all moments of life. It says that they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do, they prosper." Did you catch the word seasons 
I love looking at trees throughout the seasons. Right now, it's very green outside, although the, the dryness kind of made the grass not so green in spots. But I love looking at the green leaves. But then when fall comes, the leaves change color, which is a beautiful thing, except that means the leaves are going to die and fall off. And then during the winter months, the trees are barren. You can feel kind of sad. I mean, the snow's cool sometimes, but when it's cold and gray and there's no green on the trees, it can kind of feel sad. And then spring comes and the trees begin to bloom again. But something happens in all those seasons. The trunk, the branches, the roots remain. They survive the seasons. And the bloom comes and the the leaves come back and they are fruit-bearing trees. They bear fruit. And those trees ebb and flow through these cycles. See, the seasons and the elements that come, they impact the trees, no doubt. The leaves change, they fall They don't bear fruit in the moment, but they persist through the cycles and seasons of life and they continue to be doing what trees are meant to do. This psalm says that those that remain devoted to the Lord are like trees planted by streams of water, meaning that their roots are laid where sustenance where water or sunlight can aid them in persisting through the seasons, through the highs and lows that they experience year over year. And they will continue to persist bearing fruit because they are given that which they need to sustain even in the highs and lows of the seasons. You see, if you're reading this psalm and just saying to yourself, The same things that that David will say later on, that I'm doing things the right way. Why am I experiencing this? Well, the psalm tells us right out of the gate that if we are devoted to God and we are like these trees planted by by streams of water, we will still go through the seasons. And yet God promises that we will persist in doing what he designed us and called us and redeemed us to do. Likewise, the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But notice there's no immediacy in the language here. It is something that will happen. Those that choose not to be devoted to God may appear in our human perspectives as prosperous, as succeeding, as doing better off than we are doing. And as we go through our seasons of highs and lows, of success and struggle, it may feel like things aren't going so well when we are in the cold of winter and we are barren branches. But this psalm is home. 
It is a promise of the way things will be. And it is a promise that they will in fact be the way they ought to be. But I also love the last part of this psalm. Notice it says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Sinners will not be in the congregation of the righteous. The congregation. Does that word ring a bell for you? See, one of the things about the Psalms is we read them and we think about, for instance, the Psalms of David, and we think of one individual writing this psalm, describing their relationship with God on an individual level. And, and those of us that live today in modern-day United States of America, we think about our faith in individualistic terms. We talk about our personal relationship with God. We think about our personal devotion. We think about our personal walk with faith. But in God's kingdom, the faith is more than about one person. It is always about a community. God called out a people from Abraham. God called a people around the Messiah, Jesus, called the church. It's no shock to find out that the Psalms became the worship songs of the people, not individuals, the people of God. Because what is promised is not just that God will redeem us as individuals, but that we will have a shelter of one another to live out our faith. I told you when I was talking about feeling that lost sense of home, the first time I had that lost sense of home going back to Cincinnati, it was because my son started asking about old home. He still does it, by the way. He still says, oh, we're in new home now, but, we're in, but we used to be in old home. And he started connecting dots. He's like, so is old home in Cincinnati? I said, yes, old home is in Cincinnati. He's like, but new home's in Indiana. I said, yes, it's in Indiana. The first time I experienced home here was when our staff went on uh, a, a trip uh, to Indianapolis to a discipleship conference. We were driving back, and, you know, everyone kind of sits quiet after a conference. They're taken in. Maybe they're thinking about a million different things. I was just thinking about what I heard, what to do with what I heard. And then we got back to the church, and I got in my car, and I started to drive home. And I realized that part of the reason that I was so quiet was because I missed my family. And my family was at home. My family is home. That's the first time I experienced my house as home was because I was away from my family. But it's not the first time I ever felt like home. 
The first time that I ever felt like home here was when we got here and we were embraced by the people in this church. The wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Those devoted to God have a promise. They have a promise that when the seasons get tough or the seasons are good that God will help them stand. They will sustain. He will give them what they need to stand and to sustain. But he also will give us a people to lean on. And they will make us into people that can be leaned on by one another. Speaking of psalms, since they are in fact songs, there's a song that I really like um, that I wanted to conclude with. I'm not going to sing it right now. Uh, But I am going to read the lyrics. Uh, It's a song by uh, a band called Jars of Clay. You might have heard of them before. Yes, I kept listening to Jars of Clay even after Flood was uh, a thing in the past, if you know that song. Um, actually, you might not know this. Those of you that are fans of The Chosen, the lead singer of Jars of Clay actually wrote the theme song to that, that show. Didn't know if you know that. So there you go. Fun little factoid. But anyway, he also wrote this song, and it's a song called The Shelter. And I want to read the lyrics. It says, To all who are looking down, holding on to hearts still wounding, for those who have yet to find it, the place is near where love is moving. Cast off the robes you're wearing. Set aside the names that you've been given. May this place of rest in the fold of your journey bind you to hope. You will never walk alone. If our hearts are turned to stone, there is hope we know the rocks will cry out. And the tears aren't ours alone. Let them fall into the hands that hold us. Come away from where you're hiding. Set aside the lies that you've been living. May this place of rest and the fold of your journey bind you to hope. We will never walk alone. In the shelter of each other, we will live. If there's any peace, if there is any war, we must all believe our lives are not our own. We all belong. God has given us each other. And we will never walk alone. If you are looking for home, if you are looking for that, famili- that feeling of familiarity, if you are looking to reorient your way, it's here and it's here. As we look through the rest of the Psalms in this series, remember that God has placed you like a tree near streams of water, ready to sustain you through the highs and lows of life. And he has given us each other. And we will never have to do this life alone. That brings us to our time of communion. Each week we take communion because we are reminded of the fact that God sent his only son, Jesus, to lay down his life so that we could have life to the full. 
And when we come to take communion, we not only remember that God has given us what we needed to sustain us, to redeem us, and to restore us to right standing with Him, but we have been invited into the community of faith. That is why we take communion together as a church family. Because we are made new because of Jesus. And we are given a new family of faith. And we remember that when we take communion. So I invite you to take a moment, pause and reflect. And after that moment of reflection, we will take communion together as one church family. I invite you to take and eat this bread. This represents his body, which is given for us. And I invite you to take and drink from this cup. This is his blood poured out for us. Please join me in prayer. God, I thank you for I thank you for the wisdom and the real and the Psalms. I thank you that we can come together and, and study a book that, that ranges through all the highs, the lows, all the emotions, all the postures that we can experience and exhibit in our faithfulness to you. But God, I thank you that uh, through it all, uh, one thing remains that you are constant that you are with us that you provide us all that we need to stand strong to rejoice in the good times and to sustain in the tough times and God I pray that uh, just this one psalm this morning as we reflect on not only uh, the call that you give us to be faithful to you and devoted to you, but in the promise that we have uh, and the result of that faithfulness. I pray, God, that that will be our, uh, our navigation, our home base, and that we will know that we have you. We have your word. We have your son. 
we have your spirit, and we have each other. And I pray, God, that as we go about our lives, we never forget that. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.